Thank you for downloading this podcast. The A to Z of Human Performance consists of 25 live shows that were broadcast in January 2021. The book, The A to Z of Human Performance, written by John Osirkham, Emma Wiggs and Steve Eaton, contains a lot of the topics you'll hear in the coming episodes and it's now out so you can get your copy at the Amazon Kindle store. Without further ado, here's the podcast. You're listening to the A to Z of Human Performance live show weekdays at 13.30 GMT with Chris Lisman and resident expert, Jonna Serkham. Please enjoy responsibly. Well, back in the groove, it is Monday and I'm joined by the star of the show, our wonderful host, Chris, new haircut Lisman. Yeah, back back from Monday with a new haircut. Uh, it's pretty much all you can do in lockdown, really, isn't it? Just cut your own hair. There's not much else. Very sharp. In fact, maybe even slimmer because of the height of the hair. <laughs> yeah, I'm more aerodynamic. So look, the fast, really fast, faster run times in. Um, it's episode 11, Jonna. We're more than halfway through the weekdays of January. Can you believe that? Can't believe it. We're rattling through the year already, 2021. And uh, we're back with the show. The show goes on. We've got, uh, we've got 10 more shows, including this one, to go in the, in the rest of the month. And uh, I'm your host for each one. I'm Chris Listerman, part of the Interactive Workshops team. And I'm joined by Jonna again today. Jonna, how are you doing? Expert. Resident expert. You are our resident expert. I've literally grown roots because I'm completely resident. And uh, a great hi to Anna Huxham Frank as well. Welcome. Uh, hi, Anna. For the show. Emily Lee, good to see you there. And... Uh, all of our shows are available if you've missed any on our on our website interactiveworkshops.com and uh, we're posting those on LinkedIn and they're on our YouTube channel so you can subscribe so you don't miss a show. This week we've got quite a lot coming up, Jonna. Killing with kindness is our intriguing topic today. Tomorrow we're talking about latency. But untapped potential. Wednesday, motivation and mood music. Soundtrack for life. I think that's a very relevant one at the moment. Thursday, the triple header, nuggetary, noise and no. Yeah, uh, distractions. And Friday brings ownership, origination, and organizing. There's a lot of letters in there. You can make some good words there. And those all begin yeah. with O. It's going to be a big week, but we start with the most important topic, don't we? Kindness. We killing with kindness. That's, that's intriguing. John, being kind, that's an age-old mantra. Do we still need to talk about being nice? We, are in a, we live in a nice time, I will say that. Uh, I was talking to a now retired business leader around five years ago about how he could get the best out of the people that worked in his big global organization. And he said, along the lines, the thing about this generation is they're extremely soft because they haven't been to war. And, um, <laughs> you know, I guess let's start there. Uh, we live in nice times. We, we live in times. I was saying to my kids, you know, you're, you're saying that you're cold, but, um, your grandfather, my father, had to scrape the ice off the inside of his window of his house. Uh, you're, scra- you're complaining about scraping off the car windscreen outside. But yeah, we live in some pretty special times. Don't we? We've got, especially in the Western world, a lot of very nice things happening. We've got, um, you know, so many 
positive things happening in the world, even things like the Cold War, which I think did shape a lot of people's psychology of always having a, a lurking enemy. We don't really have a lurking enemy anymore. Um, but um, yeah, kindness is a, is a, a very important strategy in order to achieve high performance. Yeah, I think when you look at social media, when you look at something like Twitter, you see a lot of people not being nice and then a lot of people talking about how we all need to be nice. Yes, uh, well, perhaps because we don't have a common enemy. Uh, if we had a common enemy, then we wouldn't be nasty to each other. But I think Twitter is the perfect example that without a common enemy to fight against, we have turned in on each other. And, uh, you know, you only need to read that book, Lord of the Flies, to see what happens if you if you have a society like that. And, you, and we see it in teams, don't we? If the team um, doesn't have a sufficiently stretching goal or if the team's not aligned, uh, then the team also turns in on each other and stops being kind. And... Um, yeah, so this, it might seem like a soft subject, but it's actually got some really important applications when it comes to how to achieve high performance. Yeah, it is really important. And do you think it's actually quite underestimated kindness in the business world? If you look at what makes a great team, then the, the base of that, as we know, is to trust each other. And you cannot trust people who are not kind to you, who are mean to you, who uh, cut you down or who, um, you know... Are, being personal about with criticism rather than keeping it professional. Um, so yes, to you know the five dysfunctions of a team, the base of that pyramid is trust, and to trust people, we've got to re feel, we've got to actually feel that they've got our back, that they're behind us, that they care about us in some way. Um, so yeah, kindness is key to that. And you, uh, I know you wrote um, in our book Team by Team about how the support structures that form in in those even in the slight comments that perhaps aren't uh perhaps aren't the most kind but they're not unkind you know they're a bit, a bit of workplace yeah, banter yeah. actually I mean, form the strongest structures well there was a great there's a great um i think we should differentiate very much between being polite and being kind so Absolutely. if you look at uh you know cogs ladder as another kind of team development example the first stage of that is polite if you look at uh forming norming storming performing the first step of that forming people are very polite so there's a big difference between politeness and kindness. And again, I think actually in forming high-performing teams, there's a lot of things that are too simplistic in the in the team building arena. You're exactly right. You know, if we're unfailing in it and always polite with each other, we probably won't perform a high-performing team because we need things like challenge and direct challenge at times. Uh, but also the highest-performing teams trust each other enough that they can move even from politeness and kindness into, um, you know, that humorous kind of challenge or dark humor. Um, there was a brilliant article in the, the papers a few years ago by the top brigadier in the British Army who said his teams needed to perform at the highest level and they were therefore, you know, it was a, a military necessity that they included banter, uh, mickey-taking, teasing, and a whole variety of other behaviors. But if you look at people who really care about each other, uh, Many of those things are in play, provided that the counterpart is up for it. And I think if people are not up for it, then obviously it would be unkind and mean not to include in those, to, to include those behaviours. So yeah, building that ecosystem, I think the highest performing teams have a great rapport and an ability to um, sometimes say even tough things that might even be true that are hurtful. And that is actually part of their kindness approach. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So we need that. We need that kindness as the base layer. Even if there's there's banter, there's um, there's jokes and things. We need that kindness as the base level. Level, else we won't trust our team. Um, how might then we be killing with kindness? 
Well, kill it, killing with kindness is an ancient expression about killing your enemies with kindness. And uh, I think the sort of examples are where people have done something that's against you. You could retaliate, but to be caring and to, you know, pay them back double what you owe or whatever is a way to build. You know, it, it, that's why it's killing them with kindness because in the end, their ego feels how could they have been so mean when you're actually been so nice. Uh, so I think that ability to you know give um, to to be kind and generous even to people that are against you is a revolution revolutionary uh, and to um, take that approach actually makes you fairly unassailable if as a person and that's perhaps where we go into perhaps some some of the more deeper psychological elements about how we made up and how we operate in the world um, and the levels of confidence and security we have but um, I don't know Chris let's say that you owed me five grand but you couldn't repay it I demonstrate a greater level of security and sense of my place in the world by writing off your debt and saying don't worry about it than if I do if I send you letters of demand so you know this this uh, the bigger per being the bigger person in a relationship being the person that can absorb difficult moments uh, or who can accept problems that come up I think this is where we go into the more interesting space about what it means to be a high performer in relationships yeah that's that's really interesting so to be a high performer it might not necessarily be uh getting fairness out of a situation but actually kindness could could overtake that that's it fairness is a very i mean fairness is a fairly weak form of relationship isn't it if everything's yeah. fair uh but the truest forms of generosity and connection form when people go above and beyond um so so yeah trying to work on those strategies i mean let's say uh, commercially it's very valuable a client relationship where a team goes above and beyond um, is extremely valuable. If a client relationship team only ever does what's fair, how, where's the client delight in that? So, you know, this um, going, this killing with kindness, going above and beyond. Um, an example, yeah, we had an example in our business where a client made a mistake in their budgets for the year and came back to us and said, I know that we've contracted to spend this money with you. No, it's actually my fault we've made this mistake. Can you repay us some money? Otherwise, I'm going to be out of pocket in my budgets. And we thought about it and thought, do you know what? Yeah, do you know, we, we can. We can be the bigger person here. It's not something we would always do. It's not something we have to do. It's not something we need to do. It's not even something we want to do. But let's be the bigger person in this relationship and say, sure, okay, you've made the mistake, but we'll send you back some money. I mean, it's not really how the business world works, is it? But for mm -hmm. individuals that, um, you know, you want to build a strong relationship with, I don't think it hurts to, I think it's a very good thing to do to be generous. But the most important times be generous and what tells about the character is when, it's, when things are difficult yeah so it's incredibly powerful to um to use kindness in in our relationships it's a it's a really powerful thing to grow relationships yeah. uh, does that bring us on to talking about where tough love might be an appropriate action yeah i mean it's an interesting expression tough love isn't it you know this is this is the idea that in to be kind to people in the bigger picture we may need to be tough or or even very tough in the small picture uh, I have a friend, for example, whose uh, teenage, late teenage son went off track and ended up uh, trying to deal drugs from their kitchen table. And, you know, should you kick that child out of home, for example, or should you ban their friends from coming in? Well, what should you do? So this is a kind of classic tough love situation. And um, hopefully we don't face too many of these, but we, on a, on a micro level, you know, we might have people that don't follow all our company's policies or don't, play by the team culture 
uh, how do we challenge with integrity? Or as Emma says, how do we check and challenge? So check our ego, try and make sure it's not about us and then challenge. Uh, but yeah, this tough love concept I think is, is helpful when it comes to kindness to realize that often helping people in the short term doesn't help them in the long term. So, you know, there's this, it's a kind of paradox. Like we want to be kind, we want to be empathetic, we want to be generous, we want to be the bigger person. But sometimes to be kind in the big picture, we need to be challenging in the short term. Yeah, I think I saw that when I joined Interactive Workshops in that first so. first few months and year. I, the number of times you said, I think you can handle this. And it, and it wasn't unkind. You know, you could have done the really kind thing or nice thing and, um, and said, oh, let me help you. Let me sit down with you and, and go through it. But that didn't, that wouldn't have helped me grow in the way that it, it helped me grow when you said, I think you can handle it. And it let me crack on with it. Yeah. And I was able to do it. It's an interesting, it's very, very sophisticated to try and work out how to make these judgment calls. And I guess that's what makes the highest performing people in management. So, you know, if I help, if I handhold my team too much, mm. I'm basically telling them implicitly, you can't do this. Yeah, you haven't uh, got this on your own. You haven't got this on your own. You need me. If I support them too much, I'm saying you can achieve this, but you know, you'll need all this support from me. And that's mm. not scalable in terms of management time. So it, but there's that, can you get people on that growth track where they're at the right level of stretch? And that is sometimes to say, yeah, I think you've got this. And actually that's what makes people go away and think about how they're going to do it for themselves. So in the coaching world, it's very, it's very much a no, no to tell people how to do things. You should be trying to provoke them to think about how they're going to achieve it. Um, and then they also can own the actions knowing that they've come up with them and they're building this kind of self-reliance. So, yeah, I think you know the, it's a typical helicopter parent in some way, in respects. If you stand at the playground and watch these parents who are hand-holding their children who, you know, could be exploring and taking risks for themselves, but instead the parents are always there, that doesn't help. Uh, but, yeah, it's a tricky one to get right, I think, in management. But knowing when to say you've got this, you can do this, or actually I'd not like you to do this on your own. I think you can do it. What do you think? What are you going to do? You know, rather than telling them what to do. Yeah, yeah, I know you're right. You see it in parenting, don't you? When you've got to let let your children, you know, go and and not handhold, literally. Well, I think even at all stages in life, I mean, I still check up with things on my parents from my parents at the age of forty three. So, you know, I call my mum, talk about things that are going on. So I think there's you know building a genuine relationship is one thing, and um, my mum actually is unfailingly kind in her approach to me, uh, but. Um, yeah, trying to encourage people also to build that autonomy. So we don't want to mm. over-support. And I think we want to create a high challenge, high support environment. We mustn't over-support. We've got to get the right level of support. So kill, killing with kindness there would be over-supporting and, and not letting them grow and, and do the job. Yeah, and in the end, it can become a bit of collusion, you know. So in the end, if we support too much, we actually stop people achieving what their, their potential is, their highest level, um, because we're intruding on the process where they work it out for themselves. And yeah. therefore we're holding them back through trying to help. Yeah. And then thinking about the highest performers that we, some of which we talked about uh, in the worlds of sport, business and life, how are they using kindness to their advantage? Well, there's a lot of those people I would say are quite focused on being all uh, on autonomy and achieving their success in that they are pushing themselves forward. Um, so I think that those people create a support team around them. So they're receiving of kindness from others. They're receiving of care. I think they, the highest performers maybe don't all do this, but they they try to include kindness to themselves. Um, but if you think about, I mean, working with Emma on this book, she's pretty disciplined. So 
her kindness to herself isn't going to the fridge every five minutes and getting another uh, baguette. It's like <laughs> she's, fi- she's finding rewards that are constructive. She's self-love that's constructive. Um, and making sure that, you know, we we are pushing ourselves to that level. And I think the high performers do this. I, I think then, then one of the questions they ask in terms of higher purpose is, is this all just about me? And what am I doing to share that to others? And, um, you know, that, that that's a kind of a more purpose-driven approach to kindness. Like, what am I going to do with the overflow of what I've got? Where am I going to put that effort or that time? Uh, like some sports people, like we've talked about Mark, because Rashford, you know, so he's got what he's got is footballing talent and reputation, and he's putting his spare time to work as well. Um, and, I mean, a lot of these high-performing sports people and business people do a great deal that you would never even know about and they're investing that on a kind of more purpose-driven level as a kind of form of kindness to others, giving back. Yeah, so what we're seeing is the highest performers in their kindness to themselves, the the things they're rewarding themselves with are actually kind. So it, that might involve a bit of self-tough love in not choosing the baguette, um, <laughs> and choosing a different reward. Yeah. And they're also investing their, their spare time as well. Yeah. I mean, I got myself a bike as a reward for succeeding in my work last year and uh you know it's it's important to have those rewards and kindness things in place uh but to make sure that they're good ones good for us ones i think are healthy uh some people you know when they achieve something they go out and have a massive binge and uh you know sometimes even that's appropriate isn't it i mean i think we talked Mm. about Derek thomas winning the tour de france and thinking you know what i'm I've trained as a highly professional athlete for the last 15 years. I've won the Tour de France. I'm probably at my peak. I'm going to actually enjoy this. I'm going to go and do all the things that people are going to ask me to do because of my success in this race, knowing that I've done 15 years of kind of Olympic training and everything else. So, you know, even even having a good old reckless party is sometimes not the wrong thing to do. And in this balanced idea of being kind, where we, we, need, to, uh, we need to manage it, how does our assertiveness help us in that? Assertiveness is a great skill. Uh, assertiveness and boundaries, these things come together, understanding where we are. There's this, this great book, I'm Okay, You're Okay, uh, which is a very, very thin and small, but very, very uh, helpful. And it basically describes the different positions we can take with the people around us. So I'm okay, you're okay, means we both believe in each other and think that we're, we can therefore both be assertive. If I were to take a position, I'm okay, you're not okay, I'm always going to be trying to help you or rescue you somehow. If I were to take a position, you're okay, I'm not okay, I might be the victim and always be needing help from you. And if I take a position, you're not okay, I'm not okay, we're in some kind of, uh, you know, collusive kind of downward spiral. So the assertiveness is this position that we treat everybody in life as if they are good enough, as if they are okay. And that means that we can act in a way that's um, adult, adult with them and that you know, we're not needing to rescue and help them. Uh, some people do need a bit of rescuing and help and that, but we're trying to bring them to a place where they're actually going to be self-sufficient and self-sustaining. So yeah, that's kind of assertiveness all fits in there. And I think, you know, coming back to boundaries and projections and, and as an expression, strong fences make good neighbours. But, you know, having the right boundaries between us uh, also helps us to be in those positive, kind, assertive relationships. In the book, Steve talks about when the happiness hormones aren't given a chance to recover. And actually, we're we're getting instant gratification. Maybe it's social media, things popping up, uh, likes, or maybe it's gaming, where we're always getting that new high score, unlocking trophies. Could even be fast food. Um, what's happening in the brain there? 
Well, we are a, a very hormonal animal, and um, actually, like the, our hormones are the most incredible thing. They're they're not the best, well understood by the media, or talked about. For example, we have a hormone that um, will allow us to stay at a balanced weight, and uh, is what helps us to stay at a, at a constant weight, but a very uh, easily overridden hormone. So w- there, there are many, many hormones in the human body, but we, we can become addicted to certain ones of them, like adrenaline, uh, for example. And, you know, endorphins is another one that we can become addicted to. So adrenaline is what happens when we get excited by something. Endorphins is what maybe get after we've done exercise. Serotonin, another one that's uh, a great positive chemical, feel-good chemical that we get from connecting with other people or oxytocin, the kind of love hormone. But there's, there's so many of these hormones and we can get ad- ad- addicted to them. And um, dopamine payoff from, f- for example, video games, social media uh, is a classic example uh, where, you know, if we, if we get addicted, we actually put ourselves in a bad place. And so having those things um, in balance is important. Yeah, it's, it's helpful to, to get that in balance because... Um... Yeah, Steve talks about those those hormones not being not giving them a chance to recover it means if they're always stimulated. So if we get used to a raised level, yeah, we, we forget what we like when we're in the balance level. And actually, yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. About the the hormone that's actually responsible for helping us stay at our own weight, uh, as I say, it's very easily overridden. So you know that hormone. If we've got loads of other hormones flying around, that one not really making its presence felt. Uh, so yeah, to let those levels drop off, and especially if we're stressed, if we if we've got uh, cortisol, which is another hormone, our stress hormones flying, if, if we don't let those drop off, or if we don't let our uh, dopamine response drop off, then we get we become used to um, an imbalanced life. And sometimes we need to take a bit of time out from things or a retreat or, you know, that's why people eat healthily for a season or avoid sugar, or whatever they're doing, they're trying to sort out their internal hormones. Yeah. And, and it's similar to what we were saying about when someone needs support, if they always find you're supporting them as a manager or even as a parent then you're going to get used to that level of support and not never grow into your role or your job or, yeah. or your life yeah i mean I, I don't know if you remember when you were a kid but like when you spend time away from your parents for the first few times you think yeah yeah it's gonna be okay anyway, i come to cub camp yeah and, uh, mum's saying i should go and mum's probably a bit emotional as well and i'm like eight years old thinking am i ever going to be okay sleeping in a tent in the middle of nowhere with these other children what happens oh you know but actually this independence is great to breed isn't it and to, to it challenge is. ourselves and, the, and i think again for our kids or for ourselves to to create that um sense of independence and autonomy is good yeah and then coming to the habituators at the end of the chapter what kind of habituators can help us in in kindness either to be more kind or to actually rein in our kindness in a way that helpfully supports others well steve is really like many coaches often mentioning the fact, you know, when, when should we jump in and support? And I think there is, it is really good to check and challenge to think before we jump in and support someone, what is the best way I can help them to help themselves? Is it by helping them or is there some other thing I can do? I remember when I was uh, training in first aid, they would say like, if someone's drowning in a canal, if you jump in, then they're likely just to grab you and you might both go down. You need to, even though it seems counterintuitive, you need to go and find a branch that you can dangle in and that they can then grab onto. And that if they were to pull it too hard, you can let go. So I do think this kind of whole coaching approach where we think, you know, how, what do you think is the best way 
that I can help you to help yourself. That that approach is a really helpful macro level. And I think um, we can also think, how does being kind to myself impact on others? So, and this is a bit of private confession, Chris. I'm ready. I'm in the lockdown, two kids, my poor other half. There's loads of things going on. And nearly every day I disappear off for half an hour, 45 minutes of exercise. And at the weekend, I went for several hours. And that could be perceived as not very helpful. But I'm helping I'm helping myself first, being kind to myself, so that I am in a position to be kind all the rest of the time. And so I think, you know, thinking about these, what are the things we need to do to be our best selves in our best version of ourselves? If it does border on the selfish, and maybe the five-hour bike ride on Sunday morning is selfish, to counteract that, I leave really early, you know. But, but you know, if it does border on the selfish, then I think we need to check ourselves again. But being in, in a position where we can generously help others uh, and having our life set up is really good. Another one, for example, is on our income. Like if we're running too much debt or if our finances are too stretched, then we've always got this radar going off, always got this radar. Should we make a lifestyle adjustment so that we can not worry about our monthly outgoings, for example? Uh, I, I also dropped eating lunch. I found this was another area where I could go overdrawn. So I used to eat three large meals a day and then lunch was a big social celebration uh, or a business meeting and became a, a way of uh, you know, coming back to hormones, gratifying myself. Having dropped that out, I feel a lot better. Um, and so, you know, thinking about what's being kind to ourselves, it turns out that rewarding myself with a huge business lunch wasn't actually a kind thing to do. That was uh, self-harming. So we can actually check our, our the things that we're doing in, in our life to check whether they're really kind to ourselves. And, uh, and there might be some things, as you say, like that five-hour bike ride, maybe a little shorter one. Uh, that actually could could help us be kind to ourselves so that we have enough in the tank to be kind to others yeah 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 i thought i've got a little poem up does anyone want a little poem who I likes a poem so that that expression uh strong fences makes good neighbors that sounds weird but um there's a very uh, interesting poem by robert frost called the mending wall and i thought i could just read it because i really love it it's, it's gonna take a probably gonna take the rest of the show that's fine. Take it, take it away. Something there is that doesn't love a wall, that sends the frozen groundswell under it and spills the upper boulders in the sun and makes gaps even two can pass abreast. The work of hunters is another thing. I have come after them and made repair. Where they have left not one stone on a wall, but they would have the rabbit out of hiding to please the yelping dogs, the gaps I mean. No one has seen them made or heard them made, but a spring mending time we find them there. I let my neighbour know beyond the hill, and on a day we meet to walk the line and set the wall between us once again. We keep the wall between us as we go, to each the boulders that have fallen to each, and some are lows and some so nearly balls, we have to use a spell to make them balance. Stay where you are until our backs are turned. We wear our fingers rough with handling them, Oh, just another kind of outdoor game. One on a side, it comes to a little more. There where it is, we do not need the wall. He is all pine and I am apple orchard. My apple trees will never get across and eat the cones under his pines, I tell him. He only says, good fences make good neighbours. Spring is the mischief in me and I wonder if I could put a notion in his head. Why do they make good neighbours? Isn't it where there are cows? But here there are no cows. Before I build a wall, I'd ask to know 
what I was walling in or walling out and to whom I was like to give offence. Something there is that doesn't love a wall, that wants it down. I could say elves to him, but it's not elves exactly, and I'd rather he said it for himself. I see him there, bringing a stone, grass firmly by the top, in each hand like an old stone, savage armed. He moves in darkness, as it seems to me, not only of woods and the shade of trees. He will not go behind his father, saying, and he likes having thoughts of it so well. He says again, good fences make good neighbours. And it's a very interesting poem, Chris. It's about, mm. as you can get, two farmers walking to the top of a hill and basically walking along their stone wall where yeah. the spring has tossed down stones on either side. And as they're putting the wall back, he's kind of asking himself, why do I need these boundaries? Because, you know, we haven't got cows. He's got an orchard. Uh, and my, he, I've got pine leaves or whatever, pine cones. But it's, it's you know, an interesting thought that the boundaries between us are actually important. And yeah. even in very close relationships like family or you know kids close work colleagues partners there are actually things that need a boundary and yeah, it's, it's interesting it's a good analogy for for things needing having their own patch you've got your patch i've got mine in terms of what you're working on and what i'm working on we might come to the wall in the middle at times and we will working together um but we do need those those boundaries that's how we are neighbors and not you trespassing in my garden yeah but some would say aren't we all collective and i guess it's actually quite deep this poem is quite reviewed kind of kind of deep philosophical and political mm. level to say you know, should we have those boundaries and um where should they where should they be but i guess the question about where they should be is also massive isn't it you know yeah should it just be Absolutely. should it be domestic country europe uh yeah. should, tex should texas not be part of the us i mean it's like uh philosophical all, all and political the, questions as well as thing. with parents and kids and teams and everything else yeah and that question as well you mentioned how can i help you help yourself is a, is a really important one to think through yeah. um, but that brings us to two o'clock that's all we've got time for today join us tomorrow uh, where we'd love to see you back here 1330 gmt we're here every weekday in january thanks tomorrow for it's all about potential latency and we're looking forward to it so thanks very much chris see you all tomorrow see you tomorrow Don't forget, the A to Z of human performance is now available on Amazon Kindle Store. Get your copy now.